1: Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, PodBay, Speaker, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and more. And don't forget that this podcast is also featured at the TheChairShot.com, one of our partners. My name is Miranda Morales and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast and let me bring in the rest of our team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Miranda?
1: I am doing well. Really living for this pre-Halloween season, Halloween just a (laughs) few days away, I went to the store to pick up the final pieces of my Halloween costume, and uh, so many people, I had not seen a Halloween store packed in years, so, you know, as as much as we always talk about uh, how things have changed over the past year, going back to the stores to see people shop for costumes is one of those major things for me personally.
3: I uh oh, yeah. I saw a great little joke post uh, online about uh about the the whole covid lockdown was just so that more stores storefronts would be available for spirit of halloween to be open. Yes. <laughs> yes. Spirit
1: Halloweens are everywhere. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: there's one here in town too. It's it's awesome. Yeah.
1: Speaking of spirits, you may be wondering, who is that third person talking? <laughs> the
2: disembodied voice. <laughs> who? Who could it be? <laughs> who? It is the
1: one and only Brendan Barr. That's
2: who? I can't right
3: now. I just can't. Okay. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, no, we're that good. It's so spooky. It's spooky season, brother. It's spooky, spooky season. It's my it's favorite. It's so spooky because, like, he came out of nowhere. We didn't even know. We're like, who is this guy? <laughs> Where is he coming from? <laughs> yes, everyone. No, that's. This is the trio. If this is your first time listening to the Lucha Central weekly podcast, thank you so much. And if you are a returned listener, thank you so much. We are very excited to go. Uh, we're excited to have you on this week's show. Uh, make sure to check out all of our previous shows on LuchaCentral.com and uh, our favorite podcast streaming platforms, including... Our interview with Gina Medina, who uh, we had the pleasure of speaking to, Uh, that interview is now up and live, ready to go. You can listen to it, get to learn more about who Gina Medina is, his background and family heritage in Lucha Libre, working for Major League Wrestling, being trained by Booker T, and much, much more. It was a fantastic interview, and that is available on LuchaCentral.com.
3: You skipped gonna, beating up Psycho Clown. Sorry. I skipped
1: beating up Psycho Clown. Yes, yes, yes. I, 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 my apologies, Locienzo, that I forgot about him talking about beating up Psycho Clown and how his, he'll do it for Brendan. Really, next, next time. Yeah. Brendan, anytime that Gino Medina has the ability to beat up Psycho Clown, I, I heard that pretty much Brendan has a front row pass.
2: I, so I Yeah, that's I, the way I, I understood will, it. I,
3: I will make it happen one way or another. I'll I'll kick somebody out of a seat if I have to.
2: (laughs) Just sit on their lap. Yeah, you
1: you could slap it if you wanted to.
3: Uh,
1: But if not, yeah, bring your own chair maybe, or take someone else's chair. Or you could say actually, Gino Medina reserved this especially for me. I know you don't know. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You I'm know, sure Modena you told working. me I could be your lucha Lap buddy, and I'm supposed <laughs> yeah. to sit here with you.
1: <laughs> that would get Brendan kicked out of the show. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. You know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know somebody, somebody, somebody might, might
2: be down for it. Yeah. yeah or
1: you make a new best friend. <laughs> Got some
2: fans out there. You know, it's they. 50. You know, people might pay extra for the VIP experience to have oh. Brendan sit in their lap.
3: I I would not assume that's a VIP. <laughs>
1: We should test
2: that out. So, you're oh, going to okay. give it to the regular, the non VIPs? Like, yeah. come on. I'm not, not a really good business
1: model, Brendan. I, I mean, not a really good business model. Okay. I,
3: I'm, not a, I'm not good at self promotion
0: <laughs>
1: Very fair. Oh, gosh, very fair. That's all. What... I can't. This is, we're already off the, the we're rails.
3: off the rails. I blame so, spooky season. You were, yeah, it's spooky season is to blame. I believe we were gonna talk about uh we were gonna follow up on the PWI yes. list.
1: Yes, the PWI yeah. women's one fifty came out last week. On last week's show we were able to read you off uh the top ten uh Women, um, from this past year that included, uh, Diana Barazzo, Io Shirai, and Raquel Gonzalez. This week, we have a more in-depth list of women, um, on, uh, on the list, including all of the lucha libre, lucha-centric, lucha-adjacent, uh, wrestlers. And it's a pretty plentiful list. Um, the next highest, uh, luchadora on the list is uh, Fabi Apache at number 25. We have Roxy at 28. Lady Shawnee at 45. Rosa Negra at 53. Princesa Suhe at 54. Dallas at number 71. Miranda Alize at 102. Alex Gracia at 108. Legends of Lucha Libre Star Christy Jane's at 110. Probably should do this also. I think Legends of Lucha <laughs> Libre Star as well. At 125, Lady Maravilla. Uh, 126, Frankie Monet. At 132, Eva Lise. At 133, Diamante. And at 146, Chic Tormenta. So I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on this list. Are there any notable names that stand out to you or numbers that stand out to you yeah.
2: guys? For me, it's that both Taya, uh, Frankie Monet, she dropped 109 spots over the last year. She was 17 wow. last year. Eva Leese was number 31 last year. Now she's number 132. How the mighty have fallen. Like you can see how much these women not being on TV, not having the significant time they had in their companies before, how immediately and drastically that affected them and the, rankings and mm-hmm. even though it's largely kayfabe largely based on tv i feel like that that's very accurate for the momentum this year like i i yeah. think that the way they position thing you know thunder rosa moved up mm-hmm. like 12 spots this year i agree she's like that much better but it's it's sad i guess in a way because i i still think Taya is one of the most exciting wrestlers in the world yes. period hands down and to see her go from 17 to 126 feels like a real slap in the face.
3: It's really it's really kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she did have to go somewhere. I don't dis, I don't I think she should yeah. be higher, but I can't really I can't put like a number on it or say that anybody on this list should be lower than her either. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, but yeah. It's accurate. It's just sad. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And again, I think it's going to be a struggle for her because now she's in a bigger pond in NXT. Whereas on Impact, she was definitely a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Um, I believe she left Impact towards the end of last year. So yeah. we hadn't really seen her in the ring for several months within, you know, early 2020. So I think that too, that transition mm-hmm. out of Impact to NXT. But I agree that. From now on, I think it's going to be harder for her to move up the rankings just because, you know, her visibility is going it's, – it's just going to change.
3: Yeah. But – so we keep commenting on visibility, but so that means I'm going to – I want to call out uh, 25 and 28, Fabi Apache and Roxy. Uh, both of them worked very quietly, but they worked a lot of shows during the lockdown. Like, we didn't see a lot of it. I was reading off results Dusty was reading off results, but we didn't necessarily see a lot of it. And then they managed to move all the way up to, you know, the top 30. Uh, Roxy, in particular, like, was unranked last year. Uh, also, we should point out, this is the first year that it goes to 150. Yes. So uh, anyone, Le- Lady Marvia, all the way down to Cheek Dormenta, they all got the benefit of the added list. But Roxy was was unranked last year. She probably would have been in the extra 50, had had they been there? Um but here she is at number 28, well deserved because it was her year. She worked <laughs> dozens, if not, you know, more matches over, over the course of the year. She, uh, wound up in, in, uh, the, the ROH women's tournament. So like it, her hard work paid off. And again, Fabi Apache had, you know, just worked as many AAA shows and indie shows as she could pull off. And, uh, wound up in that, that angle with Deanna Perrazzo, who was in the top 10. So, again, just, uh, but they were just less visible, uh, and still managed to quietly work their way up. So I also respect the fact that, uh, work rate and as, as well as, uh, yeah. As well, it seems to be represented here. Also, again, there's more on this list than there was. Like we had, we only had a handful of names to talk about when we did this list last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So significantly
2: it's, more luchadoras this year. Mm-hmm. And yes. They expanded the field to 150 instead of 100, but at the same time, even like by ratio, we have considerably more this year. Yeah. 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 It's
3: yeah it's yeah it's a big it's a big improvement and it shows that they put a we're putting a wider eye to the overall product we talked about that a bit last week, but the rest of this list really plays that out even more that they they were looking everywhere and they were looking at as much as they could i mean christy Janes, you have mm-hmm. to work hard to find her her indie matches on t v somewhere yeah. Uh, Yeah, and
1: I'd say the same thing with kind of with Miranda Alizé and Alex Gracia, even though they were also part of the Ring of Honor Women's Tournament, they were also working very hard out in the independent scene. Mm -hmm. So I look a lot of those three, Miranda Alizé, Alex Gracia and Kristen James. Mm-hmm. Very much in a group of women consistently out, you know, throughout the United States working. Um, but you know, Miranda and Alex, especially getting some of the benefit of, of being in part of the uh, women of honor tournament. Um, so I feel like, you know, that too, but that I feel like they all benefited from having these could have been women that were going to be cut off right at that cusp. Um, But, you know, now have that ability to, to be on this list and hopefully that generates more buzz around them. Cause they are the ones going out state to state to state um every week. uh In a, you know, in a tough
2: of, year.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a tough year. It's not yeah. like 2019 where you could go to any indie show and uh, you just be like, I'm going to be in Dallas this weekend. Give me, give me your shows. Like, yeah, you had to work the, to get shows this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, again, the full list of the PWI Women's 150 is available now for purchase. You can get the entire list and the entire uh, uh, edition of that magazine um, at really wherever, mainly on digital format. Uh, but I think they still have available on in physical uh, yep.
3: copies as I- well. I have at least two friends who get them. The print copies are not coming out this month. So if you are a subscriber, you will have to wait to pick up your print copy next month. There
1: you go. So with that, we are going to start off our shows like we always do with the road back to shows with Brendan.
3: All right. So, uh, we talked about Mexico being green and opening up to fans last week. So we're, we're, uh, we're going to keep, just keep going with that. Shows, shows are running. Although, interestingly enough, uh, Car the Crash, who we talked about during the lockdown for having a show being shut down, having the venue look formally locked, uh, depending on which week the report was, it was either COVID, uh, it was either a COVID related shutdown or it was related to noise complaints from the neighbors. Uh, we still don't know which one it really was. Uh, there, they're running a show on the thirtieth. Uh it is it is being very quietly touted as the last show at this venue. Um they're not really giving us any story behind it, uh so I have no idea if it's that they they're tired of dealing with the neighbors who complain all the time or if they the uh That's government yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's an any number of reasons, but they haven't been us anything. They've only just, uh, a couple of times alluded to the fact that this is going to be the last show in that venue. Um, it will be interesting that, that, uh, is a, it's branded for the crash, uh, which was, uh, supposed to be their, one of their home away from homes. So I don't know if that is related to anything they're doing, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the story. That they they're, I don't know anything. I tried, I dug as much as I could to find out, but all I know is they, they're just saying they're running the last show. Uh, stay tuned, I guess. Uh, so we've had some, some big match announcements coming up. We're gonna, I'm, I'm looking forward to constantly bringing this, this type of new story up. Galley is bringing us Ares and Aramis defending their tag team titles. And Dusty, are you ready for this? It's against Mr. Iguana and Dante Martin.
1: Oh. That's a money match right
2: there. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> I mean, no, that'll be a real banger for real. Right? I think that could be very yeah. exciting.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's the only the only problem I have is who's gonna base. It sounds like Yeska's gonna have to base everything. So <laughs> I <laughs> don't know how that's gonna work,
1: but yeah, I don't think that that's gonna that's gonna work too well.
3: But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to see that match. That's Galley. That's Chicago. So those of you in the middle part of the states, uh, you have a very special match coming your way, and it's uh, well worth your time to look into that. And Galley usually shows up on uh, IWTV shortly after. So we will do our best to make it make you aware when this is watchable. Uh this weekend IWRG is doing their annual Spooky Castle of Terror match which where the t- contestants will uh put their mask and or hair on the line and the last person to escape the cage loses whatever whatever is on the line for them so uh, if it's Dr. Wagner who's potentially in this match they haven't given us they've teased people who could be in it but they haven't given us an official lineup He'd lose his hair if it's uh uh one of Wagner's kids who still have masks. It would be their masks, just to give you an example here. Uh, and there are all people who potentially could be on there. IWRG draws wide from the Indies. Uh, there's even more options available now that we're going to get to later, which is probably smarter of them to not answer or to not give the full details away. But I always love this match. I love. Sp- spooky time of year in lucha and and this is one of the big ones for me so wanted to make sure we got that uh speaking of of dream matches that we uh, we might be seeing uh, or or other things happening just quick little tidbit super astro is uh Tre says that he has left CMLL mostly cuz he wants to wrestle more in the US. That m- might also make him available for that IWRG, but that's a digression there. Um it, what is interesting to me about this is when we were talking about this in 2019 and 2020 even, the momentum really was there to bring luchadores to the United States. We had a number of promotions. Yeah. We had a number of promotions that were featuring luchadores prominently and respectfully. Uh, we still do, although uh the, the landscape is changing significantly. We're gonna get to that soon. So I I hope that this works out as well for Super Astro as as it could have in 2019. Um, we will we will see because I want to see him in more shows. But you know maybe we'll get him hooked up and get him at a, an Expo Lucha. I'd love to see him alongside uh uh Sol- Solar, who's a regular at Expo Lucha. So you know,
2: yeah, those cadets del espacio.
3: Yeah, see, Dusty knows. Yeah. yeah, I, I can't. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last story I've got on that in this whole vein is uh, just another quick one. Grand Madel- Grand medalique is tweeting about wanting to face TJP while he's in Mexico, which kind of is alluding to the fact that he wants to wrestle in Mexico sooner rather than later because for those of you who don't know, we'll talk about this later. TJP is in Mexico right now. So uh just kind of a kind of a I I like this little tease. I wanted to to throw that out there because it got me excited. So I'm hoping it gets other people excited. Um those of you who don't know, Grand Metal League is my favorite member of the Lucha House Party. Dusty has his own favorite, so we're but- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lennon and
2: McCartney of the Little House Party.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I just I was excited by that idea. So, um, I'm going to move over to the Indie Roundup real quick. I we we have a big new story, so I'm only going to cover a little bit here. A huge thank you to PCW Ultra for inviting the podcast to come down. Unfortunately, I was the only one that could make it. So we didn't have as big a presence at PCW Ultra last weekend in Los Angeles, but we, I was there. We had a, it was a great show. We had a good time. A lot of big stuff happened. There's a lot of good matches. Uh, for full results, you can check out my socials as well as I'm going to, uh, try and have this submitted, uh, uh, online later. But, uh, we, uh, Lucha adjacent matches. We had Viva Van. Uh, going for the, the PCW Ultra Women's title against Ruby Rays and, uh, much to the shock of the audience, like they, they, uh, barely made the three count that, you know, most fans do. Uh, they, Viva Van came out on top on this one. Uh, she, she you know, they were playing up the, she was outsized and outpowered and Ruby, Ruby Rays is a bit more of a vet than her too, so this was, Widely being portrayed as an upset and, uh, the aftermath of the match would kind of support that Ruby Ray thought she was going to win too, cause she took the belt and, and we've seen variations on this where people nicely hand the belt to the new champ and raise their hand, but she took the belt and instead, uh, beat the hell out of Viva Van with it and then stormed off. Uh, that, that plays out later in the night, but, uh, Congratulations to Viva Van on winning the women's title. Uh, that I'm sure we will see her defending that. at shows in the near future. Um, I will definitely be talking to her about that at, when she comes up to Seattle sometime for a Defy show because I know she will now. So good job and it was a hell of a match really. Uh, then in our main event, we had War Beast and 5150 going to war. This was a match that was billed as All Violence is Legal, which is kind of a War Beast sort of trademark. Uh, they, they, they lived up to that. This went through the crowd, you had chairs, you had tables, you had a fireball. It's not a War Beast match without a fireball going okay. somewhere. Uh. True.
1: Well,
3: yeah, they know what the people want. They do. They totally do. And the people were absolutely into this. From the moment that uh, 5150 came out, the crowd was booing the hell out of them. They were trying to get them out of the building just with their words. Warbeast came out, and everybody lit it up. Uh, There was several F New York chants that happened throughout the course of the match. Every time somebody ate a table, it was amazing it was uh it was uh danny who ate the fireball and then got pinned for the three counts So war beast did retain but the real story coming out of this is right after that happened from right next to me even so this was that made this extra awesome papa esco came uh, roaring out to the to the uh ring with a baton and he started to to beat the heck out of the out of war beast Danny and, uh, and Slice recovered and they joined in, making it clear they were all kind of participating in this together. And then, uh, Juicy Fanel came out. Juicy! Yeah! I
1: just love Juicy. It's just, it's <laughs> actually like a gut reaction every time I hear Juicy's
3: name.
1: I have to then say
3: Juicy! <laughs> it's true. Every time he's announced, that's the, the appropriate counter response. Uh, so he came out kind of even things up but then Ruby Rays again from right next to me. I had this wonderful spot on the aisle and uh both times these run-ins happened, I didn't notice them until they elbowed me on their way past. So, <laughs> thanks for for letting me know you were there. I I actually appreciated that. Uh no sarcasm. I, I it made my night. Uh, <laughs> and, and uh so that set up a 4 on 4 match for with uh Warbeast versus this 5150 faction. I don't know if we, there's still going to be 5150 with all of that, but, uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to have Warbeast of Fatu and Samael with Juicy Fanel and Viva Van against River, Rivera, Slice, Papo Esco and Ruby rates January 28th, which is my birthday weekend. So I'm thinking I might treat myself and go down and see some Four on four violence. <laughs> That's but that was our PCW Ultra again. Thank you to PCW Ultra for inviting us down. Uh, I had a great time and I will probably go back again. Maybe even the twenty eighth. That's uh, that sounds like it's going to be a good time. Yeah. That's my indie roundup again. I was keeping this small this week. We did do feature somebody who invited us to an event. So, uh, we, you know, as I always try and pitch, you can, we don't have to always be invited. You can send us footage, you can send us results, we will feature you on the air. We, uh, tend to favor the people who submit stuff to us over me going out and finding it. So, you know, uh, later I'll, we'll give out socials and you can, you can get that and you can get full results of the PCW Ultra from my Twitter feed as well.
1: There you go. And, yeah, make sure to follow us on social media. That way you get information on just those little tidbits on upcoming events in the independent scene, reminders of when our show pops in, interviews that we're doing, all of that. But, again, reach out to us if you are an independent wrestling fan, promotion, wrestler in the world of Lucha Libre. We'd love to feature your stuff on a future edition of the Indie Roundup. Up next, though... You know what time it is. It is time for Denise Alcedo to let us know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network with Lucha Central Central.
3: Why should you visit
2: TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with
0: attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than average fans. TheChairShot.com.
3: Always use
0: The Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragón. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. And a big
1: thank you to Denise Alcedo, who's letting you know what's happening throughout Lucha Central Central, all the podcasts that are airing, where you can find them, and, of course, visiting luchacentral.com.
3: I forgot to give Denise a shout-out. She was also at the PCW Ultra Show. She said hi to everybody listening and uh you know just wanted to to give her the the, the love back. Thank you for for being a good ho- gracious host, Denise. Yes.
1: So uh up next we have some breaking news within the world of professional wrestling. Oh, it just come God. out over the past day with Ring of Honor. We have to start talking about this because I mean this has implications that trickle all throughout wrestling and you know Of course, with the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, as a healthy amount of their talent, are luchadors. (laughs) So that gives us, I mean, we'll get into it to a second. But Brendan, I mean, what an announcement we saw yesterday from Ring of Honor.
3: So before we get to the huge announcement, I'm going to start with the non-news. There was nothing lucha-centric on TV this week. So if you were excited about maybe watching something on TV, this isn't the week for you. Uh, we will give you the status of what's coming up on TV in a second because it, this giant announcement that happened here. ROH went on, uh, social media and announced that they are currently releasing everybody from their contracts, uh, effective, uh, at the end of December. So, and the, uh, they're going to, uh, everybody just in typical ROH fashion, you're still going to get paid if you were booked. You will still get paid through the, the end of this contract, but the contract will be, everybody will be released. Everybody is immediately available to appear anywhere they want, which is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. That means we have all of these luchadores that are on the ROH roster now free with work permits to in the U S to just go anywhere. Um, and as well as going back to Mexico and doing shows. So craziness. Uh, I, I, I I have updates on what will be happening with TV, but I know you guys have been chopping at the bit to talk about this. So what do you guys think? I'm going to kick it over to Dusty first.
2: What? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. This is kind of unprecedented. I <laughs> I always enjoyed Ring of Honor when they were like the super indie. When there weren't like contracted Ring of Honor wrestlers, it was just the super indie, like, you know, the, the final boss indies. I think that's kind of what they're going back towards. It's interesting. uh, All of the wrestlers I saw seemed to be very thankful and gracious towards Ring of Honor. I thought there might be a little bit of, you know, kind of sour grapes or upset feelings, you know, that they were ending all this, but all the wrestlers seem very satisfied with it. So at least they're going about it the right way. But, I don't know what this means for the product going forward, if they're going to be a super indie. They really dropped the ball. Uh, I believe Bully Ray mentioned this on Busted Open Radio, but they really dropped the ball with Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny mm-hmm. Omega. And the G1 Supercard was the one that really stuck out to me. Like That was their their a big missed opportunity, one of their biggest missed opportunities. I, I don't know how to explain it. it. feels like an overcorrection for them not knowing what to do going forward. Allegedly, the tape library is for sale. Yeah. So I, I don't know what any of this means for Ring of Honor. None of it's great. There were rumors, uh, gosh, was it last year or 2019, that Anthem might want to buy Ring of Honor or might be buying Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how they're doing this now. It helps. Uh, make the product as uh, attractive to a new buyer as possible, especially if they didn't necessarily want the roster with the with the company. Yeah, um, the name might be worth more than anything else. Or it also explains why Ring of Honor has not worked with AEW, why the forbidden door hasn't opened that way. We've kind of all wondered about that. It's been mentioned a lot of times. We uh, as recently as the Lucha Bros with uh, Dragon Lee and Drillistico, we thought they might be coming to AEW. But if the company was quietly closing the doors going forward, they're allegedly coming back in April. I I don't know. I think we'll just have to wait and see. I guess on mm-hmm. that. As much as it feels possible, this could be a new chapter, something new. Ring of Honor had gotten stale. They put all their eggs in the Marty Squirrel basket. And then that obviously went bad for them during the, you know, times up, Me Too era for the wrestling industry, especially the British wrestling industry. And so they needed something new, but I don't think this was it. This feels very severe. It feels drastic. And it just kinda of feels like the end of Ring of Honor in a way to me.
3: So uh I'm gonna cut in here real quick. The uh the rumor is that it was Sinclair Broadcasting, the parent company that owns ROH that put pressure for this to happen.
2: That's so, what I had heard too, so that's why I wondered yeah. if maybe it was for sale. You know, that, or if they'd gotten yeah, an offer on it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah that, that's us that.
2: that rumor. Yeah, that
1: I was going to say I know so that's kind of we're in a time right now where everyone's still gathering, you know, information on that and I mean first I think initially just seeing that social media post um was uh, you know really shocking for a lot of ROH fans because we had consistently seen, you know, the television product. They had been going back to live events with an audience. They had just revamped their women's division so I do feel like this had kind of come out of nowhere that if maybe they hadn't had shows for a while, that maybe this wouldn't have been as surprising. But I think also the struggles that they had that they were one of the first promotions to shut down completely when the pandemic yeah, started.
0: Yeah. And, they and
1: they did everything right. yeah, they did everything right. And they, you know, put together shows with no audience still. So it was very hard for them, I think to generate money. Um, what all of the implications about, you know, what could be happening too? I mean, it's I think it's it's hard to tell, at least from my perspective, Um, you know, and with all the stories out there, it does mean that, you know, it, it overall feels like this could be the end of Ring of Honor, just the way that people are are approaching it. I also do think it's smart at least for Ring of Honor, the way that they have approached this with their talent to say, this is as far as that we can go with you, but, you know, feel free to start planning your futures. We support you yeah. in that. And so, uh, you know, at least on what we've seen of a, a level of transparency um, mm-hmm. and effort of trying to keep this together and just likely financially not being able to, I don't know if there is a revamp happening in, between now and then but i do think that some of this gets people's attention to the point where if you know they didn't maybe have offers or didn't have interest uh up till now they sure are going to have people's attention um between now and in april for the rest of this year because yeah. ring of honor has been such an integral part of independent wrestling um and yeah AEW would not exist if it were not for ring of honor and you know so they they have all of that there there's the the people that have come through the doors of Ring of Honor i mean are the people that we see now on television that have you know headlined pay per views and WrestleManias and everything
3: you know Change so changed the direction of the industry yeah Let's,
1: uh, absolutely we can't
3: understate how important these ROH graduates are like
1: but you know yeah. we haven't seen that in quite some time because you've had like NXT You know, essentially became the Ring of Honor uh, within WWE, even though NXT, though, it's changed its direction too. you know, wrestling looks different. Now you have AEW that has really taken the place of Ring of Honor on a televised platform. So who is AE? I'm sorry. Who is Ring of Honor now? You know, right. And I think that's been a question people have been asking for quite some time. I think what helps make them stand apart was their level of talent. You know, the peer division, the utilization of luchadors, you know, those were all things that made them very unique and mm-hmm. allowed them to have a product that stood out. But what does that mean in generating revenue and new fans? You know, that I think where there's an issue there as well. And how do you then reformat your business strategy if you have to kind of shrink down or if you have to kind of reformat your business plan to maybe be a little smaller. And maybe that's what I'm thinking. If they are re strategizing and are able to continue, they got to break things down and they have to kind of, you know, reel things in and really go to a more simplistic model, at least now, um, yeah. because there's just too much competition and not enough money out there.
3: So we keep going to it. So I am going to talk. They have given us a little bit of an outline of what the future will look like we they uh, as i mentioned they're going to go till december they're going to have the final battle pay-per-view uh the i don't know if it's going to be a pay-per-view anymore uh that's that's a whole other conversation but they're going to have final battle which will be the end of roh in its current iteration and then they will come back they in theory they're going to come back in the spring uh with a new fan focused direction. That is according to their mission statements that they have put out. We will continue to see R television through Sinclair broadcasting. They all the way through December they will still have new programming. They are recording this weekend to to have everything up through that. And then we will have clip shows all the way until the relaunch. So that may or may not change if uh, you know as Dusty and I are speculating that, that Sinclair is doing this because they're up for, they want to put them up for sale that and the library, if the library goes with them they may that that may change as well, but as of right now, that is the official plan um, so we do every continuing episode of r o h that we get with content on it is going to be kind of special, and I think that's important to to stress too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The
2: Ring of Honor's TV, license or TV deal isn't working because Sinclair yeah. owns the station. Sinclair Correct, Sinclair yeah. Honor. They only air on Sinclair stations. So like for mm-hmm. TV presence is a huge money maker. That's the main
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition, ultra-low-net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Ring of Honor right now, that makes nothing. So these free shows they were putting on, that made them nothing. Yeah. And... Yeah, it was just important mm-hmm. to note that
1: when we discussed yeah. it, it. Well, and it yeah. ultimately, when you talk about the video library, that is something that has just come out really today. Um, you know, that video library could be where they could make a whole lot of money um, because of all of the content in, that they've had over the years, the wrestlers that they've had. To say that there may not be a bidding war after that library, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be – Super lucrative because you have, you know, entities like WWE who could add that to the catalog and make a whole lot of money. Now, I don't know what that looks like as far as how it is under Peacock, uh, because I think this would be essentially the first big acquisition of content um, for WWE since moving to Peacock.
3: Post Um, Peacock, yeah.
1: Yeah, but you also have AEW who I am sure is looking to start building their own catalog, um, you know, of course, of their own content. But if they can also jumpstart that with uh Ring of Honor content, decades, you know, of content mm-hmm. there, you know, that could really help them in launching their own platform or launching their own library. So I think the stakes are very high for that library, at least with those two parties who know, you know, what else or who else may be putting in a bid for it. But that's where they could make that money is in the library.
3: It's true. I'm going to just put this pitch out there now because I still support the current iteration of ROH heavily. Uh It's only $9.99 to join the Honor Club right now, which gives you access to everything they've put in there uh, from their library up, which is pretty extensive. It will get you a free Honor Club exclusive match that's being filmed at this weekend or event that's being filmed at this weekend's tapings. As well as, uh, the, the final battle event in December. So 10 bucks gets you a lot right now, including access to all of that library. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Watch it while you can.
1: Yeah. Watch it while while you can (laughs) for this, you know. And again, (laughs) this is just. What, I mean, this is now a, a time full of, of buzz, um, of what could be happening. And I think we have what Ring of Honor is presenting to us, um, in their social media uh, messages. And now we're getting, you know, of course, what we will continue to hear from different, um, news outlets and sources. I think that it's, you know, a hard time for, you know, now too, with everyone getting out of their contracts, you know, that means a whole wide range of people that are available and what that means for them. Um, you know, I'm I'm very curious your guys' thoughts on specifically the luchadores who are contracted, you know, mm-hmm. with uh Ring of Honor like LFI, um, you know, like Bandito, you know, what are are your thoughts? Already I believe um, Bandito has been signed uh to be on a few GCW shows, um, Game Changer Wrestling shows, I believe. That's... No
3: surprise there. Yeah. Like, you know, he was already working indies before he did ROH, and um, that just frees him up to do a few more dates. So Bandito specifically was in CMLL last uh, before ROH, or actually during. And he, uh, they very specifically burn CMLL very specifically burned that bridge. So, yeah. yeah, he, he could go anywhere. But I'm just gonna point this out. We've got a couple of pay-per-views for some of the, the companies coming up. AEW has, has, um full gear, I believe it is, coming up soon. And, uh, Miranda, does Impact have a pay-per-view coming up soon? Uh, yes, Turning Point in November. So you could see a lot of surprise matches and surprise entrants at those is what I'm speculating. Cause that, that gives them, both of these gives them time to negotiate contracts, even if it's a one-off appearance. And, uh, you know, and then, and then showing up as kind of a big surprise at the pay-per-view, which will create interest and buzz for sure. Mm-hmm. And Im- Impact is notorious for taking advantage of this They the, Every oh, yeah. time there's a mass release at WWE they, mm-hmm. they tease that they're all showing up there
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> and also, same thing with AEW You know, I mean, that, that <laughs> could be You yeah. know, and they're already pretty full But again, they have, you know, what? One, two, three, four, five hours of content weekly Six yeah. hours of content weekly?
3: Uh-huh and, they,
0: Yeah
3: and they're featuring the AAA belts as their secondary tag team titles, as well as Kenny Omega recently having held the Mega Championship. So bringing in lucha talent, especially those that could be working for AAA. Uh, that's the other. That's, so that's the third avenue that we could see. We could see some of these guys go back to AAA and then wind up because they're they're fully permitted to work in the United States. Going up to AEW, but as contracted AAA wrestlers. That's just me speculating on on the the business of things, so... Yes. (laughs) Dusty, did you have any thoughts on this?
2: Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think of where people would go. I think that we see certain people stick together wherever they go I oh think, yeah <laughs> um i think Faction and Gobernable are going to go as a group no matter where they go
3: mm-hmm.
2: um i i think that they could really make a big shake up an impact um yeah yeah you absolutely. know that's that's kind of where i would like to see them go he had a very very nice statement about the ring of honor thing and You know that it would always be, you know, ungovernable and all this stuff. Very nice. I, I don't know. What I would mostly like to see is somebody else to come in. Maybe you know something new. There's a void right now. Ring of Honor not doing anything for six months. There's time for somebody to come in and kind of take that Ring of Honor place. We've seen Ring of Honor – who knows what they're going to do when they come back, but we saw NXT rebrand, this NXT 2.0, kind of this different thing. There's still a market for pure wrestling. There's a lot of us Mm -hmm. that love that Ring of Honor style, and so if somebody had enough money and was savvy enough to make the connections or already had the connections built in – I think that this would be an excellent opportunity for either an indie to rise up and become a super indie or a brand new company to come about and kind of be an online company
3: there is another major player that we haven't mentioned yet and that could take advantage of this void as well and has MLW. a lot of crossover you okay yeah. that's two we didn't have yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't bring them i was going to say uh new japan's american dojo because oh, they because yeah new japan's strong would be a They for they cross over a lot with uh with with a style that was roh was very much about that strong style but you're right mlw um could easily fill in the void too i just the main reason I didn't think about that is because they're already making big moves. Like they were going to. That, that was
2: my thought: is they're already <laughs> so far up that it yeah. would take much of a step to take Ring of Honor's spot. You know, like they could easily move into that. I think Impact is really the third tier at this point, but they could be the next level. I mean, the level before Impact, before AEW, before WWE. If all these guys are still running things the way they are, we've seen Brian Danielson on Dark, which used to be the developmental program. Uh, you know, we have all these people on NXT. There's still room for somewhere to see new people, people that aren't necessarily TV-ready, but they're exciting. They're, you know, seasoned, traveling indie wrestlers, people you want to see. And so somebody like MLW, they've already got the TV deal with Vice. They've got the online footprint. They've got the fan base. If they could seize this moment somehow, this could be what, I mean, takes them from – a wrestling yeah. company to the Indie wrestling company and,
1: and you're right like there is now this opening But also it's such a perfect blend Where they do have Element They do have Azteca Underground So if you're right. looking for the variety of talent um, On the Lucha side They could probably fit very well in there um, uh-huh. But then if you just want to focus On more strong and pure style That has a place in MLW too So I think with You know the rise of popularity And visibility of MLW They could would utilize this time to become you know the new you know to to really step in that place that ring of honor had um for many many years yeah um You know, as as this, I mean, not just of pure wrestling, but again, a fusion. I think that's also what makes MLW stand out is that it's a fusion of different wrestling styles that you can find on one television product. So I I think that this could be a really good opening, not to say that someone's going to, you know, jump jump in right away. But I do think that if we do lose Ring of Honor, you know, that could be where MLW can capitalize and try and bring in those fans um into that product but you're right as far as the new Japan side on, on um uh on the west coast you know they could definitely capitalize on some of that ring of honor talent as well and just independents from across the united states you know can now um you know showcase these talents as well and i think that would help draw people to independent shows but i, I really i i really agree with that mlw
3: statement i just to, as an extra little uh, cherry on top there. Ray Orris was, was already on, uh, Lucha Underground, so if they don't capitalize and put him in Azteca Underground, they are missing an opportunity. And I, I don't, they don't seem to be Big on missing opportunities for this upcoming lucha promotion. No, and do.
1: and MLW has stated where the majority of their roster is signed. They have about eighty percent of their own roster signed, but I believe it's about twenty percent that they have kind of more of a fluidity with who they bring and utilize. And so even if it's not signing them in particular, but bringing them in for you know limited engagements or a taping. I mean that still you could leverage that in a, on a short term basis.
3: Heck yeah, and six months is the perfect time to do it. Like they mm-hmm. can, they can just pop in for a taping or two and and call it good and uh, effectively get a double payday. Which is again, we need to. I want to re stress this because I don't think we brought this up. ROH was the most responsible company in the lockdown era. People got paid for all the dates, whether the the an event happened or not they uh they continued to uh to to work towards having a safe bubble before they they announced a return to wrestling this may have been part of the big online the big expenses that were created but at the same time uh it it shows it shows the why you have the loyalty why you have these generous statements coming out there about what a great company they were it's that they put the wrestlers and all of their family talent first that means that uh, the good the hero who sets up the ring as well as uh you know all the guys in the office and the wrestlers in between right like that's yeah so mm-hmm. yeah i just wanted to to re- really stress that that the, this yeah. is uh it's so and they're doing they're following that they're following with a generous thing where they're still going to get paid now during this during this time um and i i just got the 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 shut up brenda notification so <laughs> not not shut up
1: but we we do have to move forward a bit and it, again it's a, it's incredibly hard you know because we do have other you know other aspects to talk about because you know the fact that there's still just a lot of information that we still need to know and ultimately too you know what, what how things they have framed on their social media compared to what they really mean as well. You know, that too could be, is this just a Mm -hmm. a way to stall before saying that they're going to sell? Are they truly trying to do a revamp? You know, did they have to really cut everybody loose in order to do this revamp there's still you know a lot of pieces of information and a lot of speculation out there but you know that we are going to be covering this as much as we can on the lucha central weekly podcast because this absolutely has implications for the lucha on the show and of course all you know wrestling promotions
3: right So lots of big news coming out mm-hmm. of this
1: Yes, yeah. With that we already talked a little bit about AEW, but Dusty go ahead and take us away with what happened this week on AEW uh, Yeah. products. Well,
2: first up we had Rampage and we touched on this match last week, but we had Pack versus Andrade. We finally got to see it and what a great match. Right away, it started with everyone besides the competitors being banned from ringside, so there's no Lucha Bros, no FTR, whoever Andrade's buddies with now, just these two dudes tearing it up in the ring. The chemistry between Pac and Andrade is incredible. I've talked about this before with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, but when the chemistry is just right between two wrestlers like this, the results are always just sublime. The pacing and the dynamics in this match were perfectly laid out, and I was just constantly impressed with Andrade. Andrade. And I really wish he could have gotten a win out of this one. However, Pack picked up the win after hitting Ooh. the small package on um, mm-hmm. Andrade. Uh, it was a six-minute and twenty-two-second match, and. Despite my wish that Andrade Pack had gotten attention on Dynamite instead of Rampage, these guys have kind of been the star of Rampage for a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not going to get a sixteen and a half minute match on Dynamite. Like, there's no way they're going to get to have mm-hmm. the banger of a match either. There's so many EVPS involved in Dynamite that I feel like they wouldn't have necessarily wanted to have followed this match. And, I mean, like, that's how good they are. There's something special between the two of them, and I would like to see more between them in the future. After the match, Malachi Black showed up to mist pack. Andrade told Malachi to bring in the chair, but then Cody Rhodes showed up and fought him off. I think we're going to see Andrade aligning with Aleister Black in some way going forward. This coming week on Dynamite, he's got a match against Cody. So Andrade versus Cody, I think, will be a lot of fun. we'll touch on a little bit more of that here in a minute about why it will be a lot of fun. But it's interesting. There's a lot of possibilities with this, and they're really working hard to make Andrade feel exciting. And this is the most exciting he's felt since he started in AEW, to me at least. I feel like there's finally something exciting going on. Uh, Then also this week we had Dark Elevate or Tuesday – Night Dark, not Dark Elevation, excuse me, regular Tuesday Dark, and we had Too Fast, Too Fuego, and their AEW, AEW tag team debut.
3: What the heck?
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow. yeah, we have Fuego Del Sol, who you may be familiar with, we've mentioned him many times on the show, but now we have Fuego Dos, and they went up against Kid Bandit and Dean Alexander. Like, imagine telling somebody a few days before WrestleMania this year that by Halloween Daniel Bryan would go back to being Brian Danielson. He'd be tearing it up on AEW Dark, and one of the best matches, if not the best match, to ever air on Dark. And that the lead-in match for that would be Cody Rhodes under a mask teaming with Fuego del Sol against a like an anime fan who Naruto runs at people, and we'd all love it. Like it, it's crazy. It was such a fun and entertaining match. Cody despite whatever you think of Cody He really committed to this He has the tattoo blocking makeup On the dream tattoo The neck tattoo
1: That I didn't notice that's commitment I think that's also you know Being a part of that TV world now He got access to all that stuff So I appreciate (laughs) he really is committing to to the character And I think that's at least You know for whatever you want to say about him He truly commits to something When he sees a vision In his head about a character or a persona, he goes all in with it and you and he makes you believe it and he makes you you know kind of understand he's so multifaceted and I can really really appreciate that
3: so too. we keep talking like it's for sure Cody and I mean they <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 I'm not going to say that it's not, but they did a good enough job with blocking the tattoos and the, the, the commentators kind of ma- mentioning that it's, it might not be Cody, but they think it is. You know, that, that, you know, we do have to give them the, that kind of, uh, Let's go ahead and call it kayfabe for this one, but, you know, yeah. it, could be, it could be anybody under that mask. It just happens to look an awful lot like the same body type as Cody. He yeah. <laughs> does have a
2: different moveset, you know. Yeah. So if it is Cody, he's showing his dedication by switching up his moves. Uh, a yeah. little bit more of a Stardust-style moveset than the traditional Fuego moveset that we've seen from Fuego del Sol, and that was Fuego Dos. But Fuego Dos is really popular. Like, this tag team was super popular with the fans. I was People online talked about it. I mean, I saw a lot about it. People would casually, like, two or three times, you know, in the last few days. We were, just a couple of days have passed since we. Saw it when we recorded, but a couple, two or three people have mentioned to me, hey, did you see Cody Rhodes' luchador now? He's got a mask. And I was like, yeah, it's really cool, right? You know I mean? It's just an exciting thing, and it's nice to see Cody embracing that. Compared to what we see in WWE, it gives me a lot of hope for luchadors and masked wrestlers in AEW. I I feel like that's an important part of wrestling. It's one of my personal favorite things. Allegedly yeah. Vince isn't super high on masks and that's part of the deal. <laughs> so I like that Cody likes masks. That's what's good for that is good for me. <laughs> I, I
3: honestly thought you were gonna mention this. It is worth mentioning that that, that is a legit mask he's wearing. That's not a, a fan grade mask. That is no, somebody
2: Yeah, somebody, somebody super legit made it. Whoever yeah. makes Fuegos, I would imagine. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But the, it, yeah, it is a very nice mask. He's taking it very seriously. and Very cool. We also had Dynamite this week twice. We had a Saturday Dynamite. There wasn't much in the way of Lucha on Saturday. We had a quick video promo between the Lucha Bros and FTR. But then news came out later in the week that part of the deal – and like part of why AAA was so excited about FTR getting the tag titles didn't have as much to do with FTR as it did with Vicky Guerrero. She is going to be their manager in Mexico and in AAA. Uh, if you've seen Vicky, you know she can just get nuclear heat. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they love to hate a great Rudo in Mexico. And can you imagine yeah. Vicky in front of like a Triple Mania crowd? Oh, Oh, so good. Jeff Jarrett thought he was the best Rudo in Mexico, but he is in for a rude awakening, my friends, because Vicky is going to get booed out of Mexico City. Like, (laughs) I I am so excited for that. I have never seen anybody get people so upset by doing so little at a wrestling show as Vicky had. (laughs) I mean, women just wanting to fight her, going crazy in the crowd, and all she had to do was come out there and make that face and say, excuse me and so Sometimes good. she doesn't
3: even need to say "excuse me," just the <laughs> face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the presence. Yeah. Oh no. She, yeah, and she's sure. going. To, you know, when she's in Mexico, even though she can speak Spanish, she will speak only English, and, oh, yeah. and it will.
2: She knows. She will be the best heel. And that's what I was going to say too, is it's so good for FTR because they, they have their own thing going, their classic wrestling thing. But, you know, a strong and, you know, kind of. Mean and crazy woman as a manager is a kind of a classic thing in wrestling. And Vicky knows everybody. She has been everywhere. She has met every wrestler there is because of her family connection and her WWE connection. And this is going to be so great for FTR because not only do they – kind of need somebody to help them get over his heels and Vicky is going to be amazing for that in Mexico but they also need somebody kind of help them navigate Mexico navigate the lucha thing the the politics the the people and Vicky like I mentioned knows everybody she's been everywhere so this is like the perfect pairing to help them it will
3: make them have that legitimacy so they don't get just absolutely the shit beat out of them in the middle of the ring.
1: Well, and I think it's also great for her to be able to do something within this AEW framework. You know, her managing has been very hit or miss. Um And, you know, she started off with Nyla and that's been, you know – seeming more comical than influential. She started with Andrade and that didn't last. And now with FTR, which could make the most sense because it's the best of both. It could be comical when it needs to be. It could be serious when it needs to be. You know, she adds some, you know, depth to the, to FTR and, and to their reign. And they also, uh, you know, give her, you know, a, a great team. Cause also when you think about it, you know, stepping in for Tully, you know, it's a perfect sense that they need someone like her to do that. And, but I think she needs someone, you know, to, to really manage that allows her to show that versatility that she has.
2: And if I'm not mistaken, this is Vicky's first four A into Triple A. And so it also helps her for as much as it gives F T R the Vicky Guerrero rub, she gets the FTR rub. She's appearing with champions. She's appearing with mm-hmm. young people. These are the people that sought her out. It also kind of helps tie together. The FTR, Andrade, Vicky, Chavo, it kind of ties all of that together in a way. We couldn't really figure it out yet, but we're starting to see pieces go into place now. That are explaining all of this, you know, we mentioned it, I believe Miranda mentioned it, you know, Vicky was Andrade's manager when he came out, and then he had Chavo, and then he kind of kicked Chavo out, now he's got nobody, so it's interesting to see what's going on, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if he pairs up with Vicky in the future, there's just a lot that could happen with this that's exciting. And speaking of exciting, we've had Dynamite back on Wednesday. We had a hell of a match between Sammy Guevara and Ethan Page for the TNT title. This, oh, such a great match. Really fun match. Sammy is so good at what he does, and he is just so charismatic, and he just has that it factor that you can't explain. You just can't help but be excited by what he does when you watch him, and you can't help but watch him, and he just has that quality that makes you want for him to succeed, and he's really doing that in a big way in AEW right now. Sammy is oh he's just so good, and he makes it all look effortless. There's tons of high-flying action in this match. Sammy really excels at that, and he's so precise in his work and so crisp and so clean that it's easy to forget how young he is and that this is somebody that's on their way up and has been built up in AEW rather than coming into AEW as a main event talent. I, I don't know if a lot of you remember when he came out at All In. Um, I I watched it. I wasn't super familiar with Sammy. I was familiar not super familiar. He had the panda head. He, mm-hmm. he just wasn't the guy. He didn't even strike you as somebody who could be the guy. But now it's obvious that Sammy is going to be the guy. As far as what it takes to succeed in the main event, I think that Sammy is the best all-arounder that AEW has for their next generation of talent. I think it's very likely he's going to be the first kind of not necessarily homegrown, but mostly homegrown within AEW talent to win that AEW World Heavyweight Championship. For as much as we love Jungle Boy, I love Jungle Boy, or as much as we love to hate MJF, Sammy genuinely, he has the best all-around style, he has the best presence, he has the best charisma, and he has all of that in a way that works as both a face and a heel without having to change a whole lot. Sammy's Sammy, and depending who you put him up, Against, You know, it could kind of play either way. He's the best and he knows it. And I love that about him. This is the beginning of a big climb for Sammy, and I highly recommend everybody keep their eye on him. He's only a year or two away from becoming the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, in my opinion. You can mark my words on that. I think within the next six months, we'll start to see him in main event level uh, title matches, challenges. I am so excited for Sammy. This match and and all his work lately have just shown the A.W.'s behind Sammy that when they put him in a high value or a high position, he can exceed all expectations. I, I I don't want to fan out too much on Sammy, but seriously, Sammy Guevara is going to be the guy, and watching this match, that was my main – it was a great match. I I love Ethan Page. I love to hate Ethan Page as the, the heel, the Rudo. If you've seen my Instagram, you know I'm the only hater and a whole sea of people when Ethan Page is coming down the steps, but – Sammy was so good in this. He is what stands out. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I love Ethan Page. So much fun. But you can't take your eyes off of Sammy. He just looked like a star the entire time on Wednesday. <laughs> and I don't know what else to say about it. Like I, I feel like I'm kind of gushing about how great he I, is. But he I, I is. I do feel.
3: I do feel it's important to note that this was a match that suffered from AEW overbooking.
2: Mm. but <laughs> that's uh, true
3: too many stipulations on there but uh they kept most of that out of the way until the match was over so that shows their faith in Sammy and oh,
0: yeah.
3: Ethan's ability to perform and then they put all of the schmas nonsense in which we needed so um uh, uh, that that supports your gushing that that they one hundred percent believe in him, uh, so I just wanted to to make sure we got that in there too, and also my usual complaint that you know just too many stipulations. That's <laughs> that's
2: fair? You know, yeah. they
3: they projected who was going to win by the stipulations yeah. they put on there because the only way Sammy was going to escape all of the nonsense was to win. So, and then and then the uh, the yeah, good guys get the to. thing. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: And AEW, for as much as they do a lot of the the nonsense that telegraphs who's going to win and who's going to lose, at the same time, it's very satisfying to feel that uh, your guy, the good guy, Mm -hmm. has won, the bad guy has lost, and they – really retain that feel in a way that wwe doesn't and so for as much as i do have issues with the overbooking like you mentioned at the same time they understand that the core of it is good guy versus bad guy and good guys should win Mm -hmm. and i really respect AEW for that it makes a more enjoyable more casually enjoyable product but the talent inside the ring makes it a much more enjoyable product for people that, you know, really focus on work rate and ring work like I do. Uh, yeah, a lot going on. Check back next week for Dynamite. Hopefully we'll have some Lucha Bros information. In the meantime, be sure to check out LuchaCentral.com. Pep will have everything that you need to know about AEW. Rampage this Friday, Dark on Monday, or Dark Elevation on Monday, rather, Dark on Tuesday. He's got it all, and it's at LuchaCentral.com. And now we have Miranda. She's going to tell us what's going on in MLW this week.
1: Yes, a lot of MLW news coming out. But first, we're going to start off with this week's Alpha Fusion. The episode started with Mil Muertes and Cesar Duran discussing business. And Cesar had stated that now that, or actually, it was Mil who talked and confronted Cesar about now that Mil has fulfilled his end of the deal. I.e. becoming the IWA Caribbean champion and beating Richard Holiday, that Cesar would now need to hold up his end of the deal. Um, Cesar reminded slash asked Mille if he understood that by upholding his end of the deal, it would involve a sacrifice in which Mille replied yes. And in that, Cesar Duran provided Mille with a glowing box in which he opened. So we don't know what is in that box and we, Quite not sure about what it means, but, uh, you know, it is just something that uh we will wait and see. It's still the mystery of Azteca Underground. As far as this week's episode goes of content, though, uh we did have an opening round match for the Opera Cup. Lee Moriarty versus Bobby Fish, in which Bobby Fish won by submission. We got a great segment from Los Parks with some trick-or-treat tips. Uh, in which they beat up uh, some poor schmuck with a Conan mask and g- uh, touted on the glory of, of Mexican candy over U.S. American candy uh and uh, sent a message to Conan, which was later replied to in some way by a promo from 5150, with Conan calling out Los Parks. They stated they've already taken care of injustice. Now it's time for them to go to Los Parks, something that Danny uh, Limelight Rivera had said on our show uh, a little over a month ago about how 5150, him and Slice, are targeting every single tag team belt they can out there. Another aspect of the show, we were supposed to see Calvin Tankman versus Gina Medina. However, that didn't happen because Calvin Tankman got attacked in the backstage area, cutting his head open, and so he was not able to compete that day. And then your main event for the show was another Opera Cup opening round match: TJP versus Alex Shelley. This match in particular, I really liked because they were so tit for tat. Point counterpoint was the term that that commentary used, and I absolutely agree with that. They both controlled the pace of the ma- of the match uh you know to a T and they had both smooth they both had smooth and fluid movements um seamless transitions between moves and submission holds in particular TJP won that match uh, after a roll up win leveraging the ropes to secure that pin by the way so As much as TJP is a babyface in a lot of places that he goes, MLW is one place where he is no babyface at all. So Bobby Fish and TJP advance in the Opera Cup tournament. As far as the news coming out of MLW this week, a lot of announcements about their War Chamber uh, event happening on November 6th in Philadelphia. Some of the matches that were announced this week, we are going to see Homicide versus La Park. Uh, This is the first time in three years that Homicide is returning to MLW, and of course La Park, a lucha legend. So two brutal guys going at it in Philadelphia. That's something that you know the house of hardcore, right? Exactly. (laughs) Chairs, chairs everywhere. Not a place to sit. Because they're all gonna be in the ring, I feel like. <laughs> and then also announced this week uh, is that we are going to have a ladder match for the vacant National Open Weight Championship. And this will actually air on Fusion, I believe, the week of Thanksgiving. Um, we are going to see Alex Shelley versus Myron Reed versus Zenshi versus Alex Zane versus an unnamed wild card. So a huge opportunity for Friend of the Show, Senshi. um I mean, to be in this ladder match, this could be his element if we saw him, remember, seeing him in Filthy Island, he jumped off a tree into the ring, so you know the man can fly. But, um I mean, Alex Shelley, who is a, a veteran and has wrestled all over the world, Myron Reed... Who has something to prove after losing his championship belt. Alex Zane, someone that Court Bauer has toted as the future of MLW. And of course, the wild card. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Granted, the what, this match was announced before we got news of Ring of Honor, but that doesn't mean behind the scenes, you know, we didn't, that, that wasn't already in the works. So it could be anyone, but it could be someone. You know, that may have been more released recently, say, from Ring of Honor or from, yeah. you know, WWE. It could be someone from the independent scene that we haven't seen in a while or an up and comer. That wild card really throws this whole match, you know, or someone mm-hmm. just on the roster already that that <laughs> leaves a, a big um air of unknown in this match. But uh, I was very excited to hear Zenshi as part of this match. And also two men who have worked a lot with each other in the independents. We already talked about them a little bit earlier as tag team partners at Galley, but they are going to be facing each other again. Adamis versus Eddies. Um, I mean, MLW was really high on their match. And at this time, Adamis is 2-0 and against Eddies. The big catch with this is that the winner gets a briefcase full of cash so Cesar Duran strikes with this match, making it lucrative, something to really incentivize them to put together a good match. Which you don't really need to incentivize them, but money—well, everybody has a price, <laughs> right? <All known. laughs>
3: I I just want to add to the hype of that that match. Uh, Alex Zane, beyond being touted as the future of that, has had several viral moments, including a forward. A, a forward out of the ring 450 splash through a door. Um, he is, uh, there's not a, an object. I know him personally. There's not an object he's been afraid to jump off of. Uh, he's, if you, if you've seen any of these Seattle underground gyms that we have, he's found every nook and cranny and jumped out of them. So, uh, you're going to see some really special moments before we even add that mystery wrestler, just with the wrestlers announced.
1: Uh yes, absolutely. absolutely. There's just a, a lot that could happen <laughs> with this, you know, this card and that's not all. There's still more uh to come. So we uh talked earlier about, you know, Bobby Fish and TJP advancing. We did get confirmation that TJP will be facing Calvin Tankman in the Opera Cup semifinals. Um, so that's going to be one where, again, speed and agility of TJP, um, is going to, you know, make it to his advantage against the size and strength of, uh, Calvin Tankman.
3: They are playing up that, that match will only happen that way if Ta- Tankman can make it. They did remem- remind people there are alternates in the Opera Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, uh the suplex assassin is the, the first person that would get yeah. tapped in. Mm-hmm.
1: Now let me go back to something in the ladder match because as you were saying, Alexane, I realized I gave the wrong name for that ladder match. So it's Uh-oh. not Alexane; it is oh, Alex Kane.
3: Zane. Alex Zane.
1: Kane. Yes. Yes. Makes
3: yes. more sense, but yes. I said Alexane, and I. My got
1: apologies off. to that. I as yes. soon as you were talking about Alexane, I was like, wait, 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 no, 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 that's not who I meant to say. So Alex Kane. Is that and that's exactly so still, uh, you know, power did tell Alex Kane as yes. as the future, someone who you know is, is more of a recent signee of yes. it. But who knows? Maybe we do see Alex Zane there. I know he's quickly making his way through the independence, but I want to make this correction before I, I go through. Uh,
3: yeah, especially since i put the I'll, I'll find another chance to hype up Alex. That's fine. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: Alex Kane is the uh, additional person in the louder match
3: who is also the uh, first alternate in the Opera Cup. So, yes.
1: Yes. Um and then as well some pretty interesting news is Enzo is going to be making his MLW uh. debut against Matt Cross. Uh and you know Enzo uh, as a Enzo Amore uh mm. you know is somewhat of a polarizing figure within (laughs) wrestling, to say the least. But the man has bravado, the man has character, and it will be very interesting to see how he folds into this. And Matt Cross is not going to be an easy match. Matt Cross, talking about versatility, again, has also wrestled all over the world, has a hybrid of styles, you know, and for whatever he may not have in bolsterous voice, like Enzo, he absolutely has in moveset. So a war chamber oh. is looking to become a very loaded card so make sure make sure you stay tuned um some of those will be available as part of alpha fusion over the next few weeks and of course on youtube uh speaking of that uh recently put on youtube is the um uh, four way middleweight championship match to Jiri, Myron Reed, Ademies and Addies. That full match is now available online, um, at MLW's YouTube page. So if you missed it on Vice, you can find the entire match on YouTube. Um, and as we talked about Addies and Edemies uh Earlier or even in previous episodes um Very much A Tajiri super crazy type of scenario Where they will fight forever And we are just the lucky people Who get to watch that forever <laughs> Yeah um, so Very great on that But that is this week in Major League Wrestling A lot to cover and a lot to see But you know that we got you covered Each and every week on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast Up next This week in Lucha Libre History with Dusty
2: yeah, that's right. It's this time, or it's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com dot com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera for information, birthdays, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre, and it's at luchacentral dot com. Your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week we chose October the 27th, 2000, when CMLL held the first ever CMLL La Leyenda Azul, which literally means the Blue Legend, at Arena Mexico in Mexico City. And this was an awesome show. It was held in tribute to the legendary Blue Demon, um, very much the same way, the same kind of style and idea that Santo was honored with the La Leyenda de Plata. These shows were held just on a regular Friday night each time. It was a special, like – Super Vierna show instead of CMLL's regular Super Vierna show. But they were all on Friday nights and they continued to be held annually pretty regularly from 2000 till 2009 when Blue Demon Jr., he was no longer with CMLL. He threatened them with a lawsuit over using the name and the NWA titles and all kinds of stuff. So they discontinued them for a couple of years. But after two years, they returned. And they continued after El Hijo del Blue Demon gave his approval. Five shows went on between 2011 and 2017. Doing some research into this, I discovered that due to not having a show since 2017, Roosh is still considered the reigning Leyenda Lazul champion. So, nice little throw-in to some Rouge conversation yeah. this week. Cool spot. On this show, however, this was the 1st I-iteration, the very first lay and Azul, and we had a tournament format that saw Blue Panther come out on top after beating Mr. Niebla yeah. in a 16-man Torneo Cybernetico Whoa. match. Yeah, very cool. The other luchadors involved were Brazo de, Pl- Brazo de Plata, Bestia, Ciencarus, Emilio Charles Jr., Liz Mark Jr., Rayo de Jalisco Jr., Viano 4, Apollo Dantes, Viano 3, Shocker, Mascara Año 2000, El Satanico, and Legends of Lucha Libre star Pedro Aguayo. So quite a a show. Yeah, a lot of big names tied in there, a lot of talent. Recommend you check this out on YouTube this week. It's out there. The whole show is on there. Yeah. Great stuff.
3: Blue Panther versus Satanico alone is worth the time.
2: (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this was an awesome show because it was the first one. They really went all out. And, yeah, yeah, it, it telegraphs when you watch it. You see it all. Yeah, it's great.
3: So oh, go ahead, Miranda. No, 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 please go. I was gonna say, so we we just were doing a special look at this this week. we're not mm-hmm. normally we're not weighing in with all of our thoughts, so I was yeah. gonna kick it back to you, Miranda.
1: Yes, yeah, no, that's what I was. Uh, great minds think alike. Um, <laughs> just reiterating that this information, and of course, the stay in Lucha Libre is uh, located at luchacentral.com. Um, it's something a little different this week, as far as honoring, you know, a very a special event commemorating the someone whose impact in Lucha Libre is is a millionfold, um, and that's also kind of a thing about Lucha Libre, as you could tell, a lot of commemorative events and tournaments and cups to honor those who have passed and so it is also somewhat fitting as we head into uh dia de los muertos uh early next week um as this is very much a time in celebrating those who have passed on with that though there's so much more that you can find on <laughs> lucha central.com brendan can you tell our listeners what else they can find on lucha yep. central.com
3: A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of all of that, it's free. I mean, you can't beat that price. Free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre.
1: So, speaking of spooky season, we had Halloween Havoc this week on NXT. We got a special appearance by Chucky himself, a horror legend and uh, apparently star of his own new show on uh, the USA Network. So, go ahead.
3: It's no RoboCop.
1: Nah, no, no, no. no. (laughs) I mean, but also, let's say hello to future Hall of Fame. And Duck D, Chucky, because um, that celebrity wing is is drying up real quick. Um, man, who do you think will get into the, to the WWE Hall of Fame first, Chucky or RoboCop? RoboCop,
2: yeah, easily. Yeah, I think it's gonna be RoboCop. I'm honestly shocked he hasn't been in there already. Right. Again,
1: it's, it's a very thin,
2: uh,
1: you know, celebrity wing, so who knows.
2: I don't know if Sting always stays with AEW. Chucky has a sh- chance. He could be the shoe in over RoboCop. Yeah, that's He's had true. To have that's... RoboCop without Sting.
1: Yeah. That's acknowledging, <laughs> yeah. It's acknowledging Sting more than I think WWE wants to at this point, so. Um, but the very first match of the night was the Scareway to Hell ladder match for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. The uh reigning uh Champions, Yoshi Rai and Zoe Stark had to work their way through two other teams, Toxic Attractions, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane and Indy Hartwell and Persia, uh, Parada to try and get those belts back. A big brawl started the match with Toxic Attraction being thrown out of the ring. Um, you had a great double dropkick on Indy and Persia from Zoe and Eel. I feel like a lot of great tag team work between EO and Zoe. Zoe really pushing herself on more of kind of the acrobatic side as well in this match. Um, you also had a spot where EO moved out of a suplex, um, in, in transition that was originally going to be one on a, on a ladder into a double DDT. Um, and again, with kind of the acrobatic movements, both EO and Zoe took turns jumping from the ropes to the ladders, um, to try and stop Indy Hartwell, uh, from moving her way up the ladder. Um, EO, of course, it wouldn't be an EO showride match without a moonsault. So she landed a beautiful moonsault on JCJ on the ladder. So that she was definitely, uh, worn out at that point uh, but and there was also somewhat of a scary spot towards the end of the match where EO pushed I'm sorry Indy pushed EO off the ladder onto another ladder that was set up outside of the ring and she took a pretty rough tumble to the ground um, even to the point that Indy Hartwell was concerned but that was enough of a distraction uh, for Toxic Attraction to climb up the ladder to retrieve the titles and become your new NXT women's tag team champions later that night we had the nxt women's championship defended uh raquel gonzalez versus mandy rose it was a spin the wheel make the deal match in which the wheel was spun to determine the stipulation which landed on chucky's choice and he chose a trick-or-treat street fight that's a no count out no dq match with the match having to end in a pinfall or a submission in the ring, which Mandy Rose learned the hard way because she tried to pin Raquel Gonzalez outside of the ring and the referee told her, sorry, you can't do it. You got to get in, which really pissed her off. Uh, but back to the entrance, Raquel Gonzalez just came out like a bad ass on a motorcycle into the ring. Hell Great yeah. Blue, lime green look. Um, but yeah, I think I, I echoed what commentary said out loud Raquel Gonzalez looked like a badass coming she into did. the ring
3: she, really she always looks like, like a good. badass but I mean there was extra she that, looked, spoon was, yeah, that spoon was that spoon was heaping today yeah
2: she <laughs> yes. just looked vicious on her way out oh way yeah I enjoy yes. yeah
1: badass Raquel dominated, you know, most of the match to start off with. And eventually Mandy Rose was able to find some openings, utilizing some speed with kicks in the corner. The one thing I will commend Mandy Rose on in this match is that once she got a good shot in, she did not let up. She realized that's what she needed in this match. Also, this was a stipulation match, no DQ, so weapons were allowed. The utilization of uh, a kendo stick helped out. Uh, the stairs, a table uh, Which ultimately was used uh, When Raquel speared Mandy into that said table um, But towards the end of the match We did see a masked figure come to the ring That masked figure hit Raquel on the back with a shovel And that allowed Mandy Rose to land a kick to the head of Raquel For the pin and become your new NXT Women's Champion. After that, we saw the masked figure going into the ring and reveal themselves to be Dakota Kai. So Dakota Kai is back in NXT. It looks like we are going to be continuing that feud between Dakota and Raquel. But with no championship because now Toxic Attraction holds all of the gold. I think this stipulation match had to happen this way in order for the transition of champions, because I think it was just not going to be believable enough to have Mandy Rose outright win. Yep. Um, You know, again, I I said to, to her commitment to this match, you know, Mandy really took advantage of a lot of openings and utilization of those weapons. Um, But again, too, it was also very hard to look at this match when you've seen Raquel defend against Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai and Dakota Kai in just very strong, you know, singles matches. And so to have this be the way that she loses the NXT Women's Championship is one where it feels a bit overbooked, but it has almost had to happen that way because what other scenario would have been believable?
3: No, I I actually don't view this one as overbooked at all like you said it's the uh, the most believable way mandy wins this uh and it also by having uh having the dakota kai feud reignited that explains why raquel doesn't just immediately come back and try for the title again so like uh, this is the perfect way to get the belt off of raquel uh in a in a manner where she still looks strong so
1: And we do continue that storyline between Dakota and uh, Raquel, which, you know, has some depth to it. This is over a year in the making. So I think that uh, it is one of the elements of the quote unquote old NXT that will, you know, be incorporated into NXT 2.0 how long that lasts who knows what that means for challengers and I think we even brought this up last week whether it was on the air or just in some of our discussions it does allow for a wider variety of challengers now to step up to the plate and allow for more believability of, of the title to change at any point and one yeah. person I distinctly remember I think Dusty bringing up was Frankie Monet a Frankie Monet Uh, Mandy Rose match would be awesome and it would be very believable you know if you were thinking about what your next champion or who your next champion could be after Mandy could absolutely be Frankie Monet and should be and it should be that's also the point it should be Frankie Monet
2: well legitimate legitimate contender and that hasn't already been champion at least in my opinion
3: not as she's been presented is my yeah. Own not life. as she's
2: yeah. been pre- presented in NXT, yeah. but just knowing her history, yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. You know, we touched on that in the in the banter earlier in the show with the PWI. Like her star has really fallen, and the way she's displayed and highlighted. And NXT is not what it was in Impact or Lucha yeah. Underground or AAA. And so I think that kind of coming to terms with who Taya was and who Frankie Monet is, yes. is a lot harder for some of us than maybe your more <laughs> casual NXT yeah. or WWE fan. Yeah. Yes.
1: Well, more changes to come in NXT. Also, on a side note, we did have new NXT Tag Team Champions. MSK lost the titles to Imperium, so they are back as Tag Champions. What this means for the tag title scene, who knows? Um, I know we are always, you know, hoping Legado de Fantasma gets a shot at those again. Um, because they came close multiple times in, in, you know, what this means for the NXT tag title scene. Who knows? But again, a continuance of a lot of movement. The only title that has not changed is the NXT championship. Um, Tommaso Ciampa defended that and, and successfully won his match. Um, and so, I mean, Yes, it's a lot of changes that continue to happen with NXT 2.0, which we got you covered on LuchaCentral.com. Up next, CMLL. Brendan, you have a, a few things about Day of the Dead lineup.
3: Oh, I have, yeah, so we're going to go over that. First, I have some results. TJP was in Mexico City, so uh Friday, uh Last Friday, the 22nd, we had a, a match, or uh, a series of matches. The The last two are what I'm going to cover here. We had Mystico and Ultimo Guerrero in the semi-main event. Mystico came out on top. The reason that I mention this is because at the aftermatch, uh, they is leading to a mask versus hair match between the two. And it is unlikely with Mystico having just gotten the Mystico title back, that he's going to lose his mask. So we could see a bald Ultimo Guerrero in the near future, which,
2: uh, is better than his hockey hair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he's exciting to me for all the wrong reasons because he has one of the ugliest mullets in wrestling. Oh yeah.
2: It's That's terrible. Like it's with. literal achy breaky <laughs> hockey yeah. hair. Like it's terrible.
3: <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of bad mullets in wrestling, but this <laughs> is one of the worst.
2: Wow, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And he's <laughs> absolutely right. It's a terrible bullet. <laughs>
3: uh, I'm looking at you, Ricky. If you're listening <laughs> to the show.
2: Uh,
3: but in the main event, we had Titan and Volador Jr. against T- Templario and TJP. And, uh, TJP did not come out on top on this. He was, they were using him as a foreign Rudo. Uh, Titan and Volador came out on top. They took the last two falls. The the bad guys took the first one. Um, it's great to see him back. And again, I just you know, since we've been talking about it, I wanted to give you a result from from the show that he did. Hopefully, we get a few more, but that's the only one that uh, I've seen him on the lineup for. So I wanted to get that in there. So. CMLL is doing three Day of the Dead shows. I believe I had previously said they were going to be free. I was gravely mistaken. They're doing them on iPay-Per-View, which means no replay. So you're going to have to watch them live if you want to see them. I do always recommend them. Allegedly,
2: at least one of them is going to be on New Japan World. So you may be able to watch one of them on replay on (laughs) New Japan World if you're a subscriber.
3: Okay. Well, uh, (laughs) we will keep you up to date on that, but... (laughs) Uh, so, so we have, uh, a show Friday, 1102 in Arena, Mexico. We have another show, oh sorry, not Friday, 1102 in Arena, Mexico. We have a show Friday, 1105 in Arena, Mexico. And then Saturday at Arena Coliseo. Um just, uh, just a few highlights here. We're gonna have, uh, so I finally get to see Avispa Dorada at a, a Day of the Dead show, she'll be on the 1102 show, uh, then we're going to have, on that show you have the Cibernetico for the Rey del Inframundo, which is featuring Mystico, Gran Guerrero, Volador Jr., Templario, Valiente, Gamilio Diablo 1, Atlantis Jr., Gamilio Diablo 2, Angel de Oro, and Felino. Um uh, there's a bunch of other matches on there and then uh uh but we're gonna because there's three loaded cards here, I'm gonna just trying to do this quick. Then the Friday eleven sh- the, the the Friday the fifth show in Arena, Mexico, uh we'll have uh Jared Chita and Ubia against Amapola and Metallica for the Mexican win women's tag titles. Uh, Euphoria, Echicero, and Mephisto, so the new, uh, evil faction against Cavernario, Dragon Rojo Jr., and Ultimo Guerrero. And then Terrible against a uh, Luchador Supresa. I mean, <laughs> they haven't announced who that's going to be. I believe that's going to be the, uh, the winner of the Cybernetico from the, the second show. And then the Arena Colisea show. You will have uh, do uh, uh, yeah, the Torneo La Gran Oportunidad. This is why I'm stuttering because that's uh <laughs> hard for me. Uh That's going to feature Electrico, Robin, Oro Jr., Pegaso, Stigma, Hombre Bala Jr., and Fermo Jr. Disturbio. Cachorro, uh, Halcón Suriano Jr., Sangre Imperial, Pantarita del Ring Jr., and this is basically, this is your, your chance to, to get into a main event match. That's why you're hearing a lot of names I normally don't say. These are Arena Coliseo guys who I believe they're going to get shipped out to go to Arena Mexico to face somebody in a more main event match and probably be absolutely murdered but you know that's that's what you're here for and then in the main on that one you'll have felino mystico volador jr against atlantis jr grand guerrero and ultimo guerrero this is a a, a relevos incredibles uh six-man match so uh, all pretty good lineups uh i'm obviously going to have to catch the the, the second show because uh, I get to see a Visper Dorada. But uh, all of these are on iPay-Per-View. Uh, they, the full lineups are available on Lucha blog. Uh, I can get you – I can link you the full lineups. I'm going to see if we can't get this up on uh, Lucha Central some at some point, but uh, that's Pep's decision, not mine. And, uh, that's, that's what we've got for CMLL this week. Uh, it's a pretty stacked lineup. I uh, can't, I can't stress enough how cool these Day of the Dead shows are. They always put, put the production value up to the max. There's always, um always actors in the, uh, in the, the garb. There's, there's usually black lights and cool digital effects going around. Uh, wrestlers get dragged to the underworld, which is, you know, um,
2: it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's,
3: yeah. It's just always very, very cool. So uh, there, you, there you go. That's our, our day of the dead lineups. That's, that's, uh, starting real soon. Like I said, the first show is on the second. The second one is on the fifth and the last one is all the way out on the sixth. Uh, that's the one that might wind up on YouTube at some point. Cause sometimes those Colisea shows wind up, uh, being, uh, subverted and put on YouTube anyway. So but. uh, uh, you know, that's that's piracy stuff I'm talking about there. And uh, that's that's what I got for CMLL. Thank you,
2: Brendan.
1: Up next this week in WWE with Dusty.
2: Yeah, we didn't really have anything on Smackdown on Friday, but Monday on Raw brought us a considerable amount, not necessarily all great, but a considerable amount. First up, we had Zelina, and she defeated Dewdrops, which really pleased me, and I was kind of surprised about. Queen Zelina, as you know, Crown uh, Jewel, they had the Queen's Crown Tournament, and Zelina won. She, of course, her gimmick now is Queen Zelina, but it's given her some direction. And she's using similar tricks to what she used throughout her career in WWE and NXT when she was a manager, but she's applying them to herself to kind of keep winning matches. I, I love that. The ref didn't notice, but right around the two minute and 30 second spot in the match, Zelina blasted Dewdrop in the face with her royal scepter and was able to pick up the win nice spot kind of shows how Zelina was able to win despite her size I, I liked the whole thing two minutes and 30 seconds wasn't great but honestly Zelina getting a win in two minutes and 30 seconds on Raw is amazing she's had as many wins since the beginning of the tournament now as she did in like the previous four years combined so she's on her way up again I love it Zelina is one of my favorite wrestlers I'm glad they're giving her the chance to wrestle the next matchup was Austin theory defeating Dominic Mysterio backstage after a talk or kind of during a talk between Dominic and Ray where Dominic was kind of getting a pep talk from Ray, but he Ray offered to be at ringside. Dominic told Ray to focus on his match tonight that he could handle this match and Dominic could not have been more wrong. Austin theory interrupted speech. He wanted a selfie. Dominic wouldn't give it to him. And, uh, yeah. Austin (laughs) Theory is, he's racking up the wins on Raw, and he's doing a great job. He looks great. This week it was Dominic. He got the win against, I'm not a fan. I want to see more from Dominic. I hate how he's kind of settling into a jobber role right now. You know, he's there to make other guys look good. He's just a big guy they can beat not a fan of that. Dominic didn't want to take a selfie before the match, so Austin took one with the ref after the match. Like I say, it's a it's a very strong win for Dominic or for Austin theory rather, but it's another strong loss for Dominic and his career's just kind of been filled with losses to important guys and losing important matches and the the feel of that and where it's going. Not a fan personally. Then our third match, final match, that was Lucha Relevant of the night on Raw, we had the ladder match for a title shot for the WWE title going to get up against Big E. We had Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor versus Rey Mysterio. And I'll be completely honest with you guys, despite the talent involved in this match, I just didn't find myself that excited. You know, it's hard for me to get really hyped about a ladder match in the WWE because of the ladder match aspect. WWE kind of requires a certain amount of tropes for a ladder match that have removed a lot of the suspense for me and the excitement for me as a viewer. There's always a completely illogical table set up. There's always somebody going through a ladder that was laid out horizontally at ringside, usually balanced on the announcers table. Uh, There's, People that all of a sudden, they always forget that they're not having a regular match. They forsake the ladder, the clipboard, the briefcase, whatever they're trying to grab to do a move. People suddenly get up the ladder and forget how to grab a briefcase or grab a clipboard to undo a hook. I mean, like, it happens in every single ladder match. True. And the formulaic part of that, yeah. Just to
3: re-stress this for those of you who haven't been watching as closely as we do it's not one of these things it's all of them literally yeah. all of them
2: in every single <laughs> WWE ladder match like it it just wasn't yeah it it takes all the organic factors out of the match for me and all i notice is the formula with you know like oh there's that spot oh there's that spot yep. you know like i can kind of point them out seth won the match nothing new or interesting under the sun on raw as long as they can help it i i don't know like seth versus biggie i i'm not that into that i Rey Mysterio losing again. I, I don't know what they're doing over there on Raw. Not a fan. Hopefully they can turn it around. But what I am a fan of is main event. I mentioned it last week that we would cover last week's. I couldn't get it to work. I, I don't know what the deal was. This week's main event wasn't great. No need to cover it. But last week we had Carrillo and Angel Garza in a tag match against Ricochet and John Morrison and like, oh my gosh, this was an awesome match. You kind of knew it would be from the names involved, but it was so good. I wish they had some way to align Ricochet with Morrison and Miz. It would give Ricochet some direction in the WWE. It would also freshen him up a little bit, freshen his character up, and even get that rub from working with the Miz. And I I wish they had something more for him. This match made me wish they had more for him. And it also brought up one of my gripes with main event. They have commercials and matches that break up the show, just like every other wrestling show. But Mm -hmm. unlike most other wrestling shows, this is recorded. And so when they take two and a half minutes out of the match to run commercials and then pick up instead of picking up where they left off, it really breaks up a lot of the match. I don't know why they do that. I mean, I guess I understand it. It presents it like a live program, but it really took away. This was a banger of a match. I feel like if they hadn't cut away for commercial, if we got in those extra few minutes, it could have easily been a four star match, maybe four and a half star match. It was incredible. What I liked, my favorite part of this match was that Carrillo got the pin. Usually, Angel Garza, you know, he hits the wing clipper, we get the pin. This week, he got the pin with a submission after Angel blasted John Johnny Drip Drip, John Morrison, in the face. And I love that because Humberto needed to look a little stronger. He needed to be picking up some of these wins. And it just makes him look better. And Unfortunately, this was probably their last match, at least for a while on main event, going to SmackDown, main events taped before Raw. I wish they had done more with the tag team pairing of Ricochet and Morrison against these guys, too, while we had it, because we saw a lot of iterations of this match, just not that set up. Humberto looks stronger every week. He looks more and more vicious every week, and he looks more and more legitimate every week, and I love what they did with him on main event and did with Garza Carrillo to build them up as a tag team before they go to SmackDown. Hopefully, we'll get to see some interesting things there, and they won't just be fed to the Usos, but we'll see. 205 Live last week, too. Very Friday night, very exciting. Amari Miller and Valentina Feroz versus... Katiana Correz and Ulisa Leon. This was mostly just a quick tag match to get some TV exposure for these guys. Now that NXT is like its own third brand, 205 Live has really become where we see the trainees and a lot of the developmental work. And this was a great match for that. Miller picked up the win with a knee strike uh, for the pin on Ulyssa Leon at 3 minutes and 44 seconds. As we mentioned last week, Katrina is a masked luchadora from Chile, and Yulisa is a signing. She was very recently announced just last Thursday, October the 21st. She's a second-generation wrestler, also a bodybuilder. She has a great look, great body. She's from Mexico. Her dad is Monterey wrestler Spider-Man, who you may be familiar with. Uh, he wrestles a lot under the name Spider-Man in the Monterey and Tijuana scene. Uh, he was also Bronco in TJ in Monterey before he became Spider-Man. That's a name that a lot of people are familiar with. So she's got a lot of exciting family history in Lucha, and it's exciting to finally see some, you know, luchadoras getting attention in WWE. That's something that had always been kind of lacking in WWE. We've seen luchadors, but we never really had any luchadoras in WWE. So it's kind of... Exciting to see that. We're going to see a little bit of a a focus on Katrina. We, this week, this coming Friday, October 29th, Katrina will be, Katrina Cortez will be going up against Saray on 205 Live in a singles match. So check that out. Lots of good stuff in WWE. Lots of bad stuff in WWE. Lots of stuff in the middle. You just have to know where to look. And generally, Raw and SmackDown are not the places to look. <laughs> but for yeah, for all the Love information it. on WWE and more, com. that's where we have it all. Sorry, what were you going to say, Brandon? I didn't mean to oh, cut no. you off.
3: It's funny because it's true. That's all I was yes, saying. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Very good analogy. You can find great stuff, but that's few and far between. 205 Live and Main Event have quickly become my two favorite WWE programs. Yeah. You know, I think that people are kind of sleeping on the the quality of work in those shows. And you, you owe it to yourself to check it out. Seriously, I don't think you'll regret checking them out.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good point too about also not only the change happening with NXT, but just that domino effect that how that's impacting, um, 205 live.
2: Yeah, and, it used to know, be the cruiserweight show. Yes, now it's yes. developmental. Very yes. interesting.
1: Very interesting. Yes. So for our last news story of the week is usually towards the end just you know for time's sake uh but not a whole lot of lucha content as well impact wrestling uh this past saturday they had bound for Lori, one of their biggest shows of the year i literally can i do my mic drop drop uh with that mic drop spot mic drop spot um so yeah so we did have bound for glory this past uh saturday um a few interesting points as far as matches um Trey Miguel won the Impact X Division Championship after uh, defeating El Fantasmo and Steve Macklin, um, who were the other two competitors in this match. Very first time that Trey Miguel has uh, won the X Division Championship. So it is a great um, win for him and and long overdue. Uh, We also saw Moose win the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match uh which was a 20 wrestler intergender gauntlet match uh this is what we talked about last week is where we would see some of that uh lucha libre triple a interaction uh as noted uh Laredo Kid uh did enter the match at number 12 as far as that new japan uh, surprise but also a little bit triple a lucha surprise as well Rocky Romero came out at number 2 and was in this match. He was unfortunately eliminated pretty early on. He was the first person to be eliminated. And then further down the line, so was Laredo Kidd. Um, but uh, Moose won. He eliminated Matt Cardona to win. That will have something about that in a second, uh, something additional to talk about with that. But uh, Diana Parazzo defended her Impact Knockouts t- title against Mickey James I think to the surprise of a lot of people, Mickey James ended up winning. Um, she did her signature, uh, chick kick spin and then her DDT, uh, her tornado DDT in order to, to land the pinfall. Um, ending the reign of Diana Parrazzo. Uh, and so we have not had any word yet of what that means for Diana at the most recent impact tapings. Um, and just this week on impact, we did see that um uh, Madison Rain came out to challenge Mickey James and what we will see a little bit later on as well is Mercedes Martinez possibly teasing cashing in her opportunity to face the uh knockouts uh champion. Um with that also uh after Trey Miguel won his ex division championship, Rocky Romero came out to uh you know Tess and tease uh, an interest in the X Division champion We did see that come to fruition this week on Impact Where we had an X Division championship match between Rocky Romero and Trey Miguel um, But uh, Trey Miguel did win that match But afterwards Steve Macklin came out to attack Trey So we do seem like we have our next X Division um, championship feud lined up And then as far as the main event, Josh Alexander uh, challenged Christian Cage for the Impact World Championship, which he won. However, immediately after the match, Moose came out to cash in his Collier Shot Gauntlet win, his trophy, to uh, challenge Josh Alexander, which he did. Uh, by pinfall and won the Impact World Championship. So, a pretty big swerve for, uh, I know for me, I was not expecting, um, Josh Alexander to lose that belt quite quickly and for Moose to cash in. But that also is yeah. not a surprise after seeing everything that Moose has done to try to get his hands on that belt for over a year now. So, um, very, very fitting. Um, but that is, a, your, um, Impact Wrestling news. Um, other kind of interesting points is that there was a lot of news coming out of Bound for Glory, that Bound for Glory was the um, event that was going to end the Forbidden Door relationship between AEW and Impact Wrestling, which a fan like me is totally fine with because yeah. it was just not benefiting impact at all. Um, still no word on what that means for the relationship with new Japan and AAA. it looks like the partnership with new Japan is the most, um, uh, the, the most vital right now. Um, but who knows if that means we will continue to see Laredo kids presence, um, on, uh, impact wrestling news or impact wrestling, um, Television, if we will see more talent from AAA at any point, um, come through. But, um, yes, that, that has been, um, some of the word coming out of Bound for Glory. And, um, it's good to see the Impact World Championship back in impact, in an impact feud. Um, and as mentioned earlier, um, Impact Wrestling will be presenting Turning Point on Impact Plus on November 20th at Sam's Town in Las Vegas. So that will be their next event, um, and it is going to be exclusive to Impact Plus, um, as well as the TV tapings right after that on November 21st and 22nd, um, also at Sam's Town in Las Vegas. So make sure you stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast that covers Impact Wrestling and more. And with that, that is it for this week's episode.
3: Oh. Go um. ahead. I was going we had some breaking news on ROH. Uh they they have uh announced that uh, due to technical difficulties which are being blamed on the Sinclair hacks which I've been researching during the the show apparently some people have been hacking Sinclair broadcasting in various cities uh roh this week is not going to be showing a a new programming they're going to be showing encore programming so that just is adding to all of this story i just wanted to throw that in here now because it will probably get lost in the shuffle with all of the follow-up news that will be happening next week also did also miranda i don't know did you want to mention the other thing that i was was talking about or save that
1: uh, we could actually save that, uh, okay. for next week. Let's save that. You know, there, we will have news on a show coming up on December 11th, uh, related to Mask Republic. We will share more news on that next week. So make sure you stay tuned to the Lucha Central weekly podcast, uh, because more details about that will be announced on next week's show. Uh, so please stay tuned. And make sure you follow LuchaCentral.com, your source for all things Lucha Libre, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And you can follow Lucha Central on social media, at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram, and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. You have the Lucha Central YouTube page also available with lots of content on matches and interviews that you won't find anywhere else. With that, while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Uh, Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you?
2: Yes, I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And we also have a Lucha Central Weekly News Facebook group on Facebook. So just search Lucha Central Weekly News in the groups and you will find us there.
1: And uh, Brendan, where can our listeners find you?
3: I am three two one t-shirt guy. That's the numbers three two one, and then t-shirt guy is all spelled out. Uh, it. I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I am all over the Twitters.
1: And me, Miranda Morales. You can find me at the hashtag Miranda hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. And if you are listening to us through one of your favorite podcast streaming platforms like. Spotify, PodBay, Speaker, iTunes, and much, much more. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe, that way you get notifications every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. You could leave us a five-star rating and a review. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Topics that you like, topics that you don't like. Things that we should cover, things that we shouldn't cover. Jokes you like, jokes you don't like. Whatever that may be. Let us know in the review And again, we do this each and every week So make sure you stay tuned And listen to us at LuchaCentral.com Thank you all so much for listening And staying tuned with us You know that we're going to keep giving you The news you need to know in the world of Lucha Libre So for Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr I'm Miranda Morales Thank you all so much for listening And have a great day